0: Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries, Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 751st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have a couple of friends who are collecting rainfall information in a cooperative community project. We're talking with Mike Crimmins and Gary Woodard about logging the rain. Mike is on the faculty of the Department of Environmental Science at the University of Arizona and is an Extension Specialist in Climate Science for the Arizona Cooperative Extension. He has been in this role for 18 years working with ranchers, farmers, and natural resource managers across Arizona to integrate climate information in their planning and decision making and assisting them in developing strategies to adapt to a changing climate. Gary has more than 40 years of experience in municipal water resource issues both as a consultant and as a researcher at the University of Arizona. He specializes in integrating economic analysis with water resource issues, providing a critical bridge often missing from policy decisions. He works on projects that involve modeling municipal water demand, forecasting trends, evaluating the impacts of drought and climate change on water demand, rainwater harvesting, and assessing water conservation programs. Together, they have developed an incredible citizen science data collection page called rainlog.org. Welcome to the show today, Mike and Gary. Are you ready to rock rainwater? I'm always ready. Awesome. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks and share a little bit more about how you got to where you're at today? And I'd like to hear from both of you.
1: I'll start here because I think it'll I think it'll feather into to Gary. So I, I am actually from Michigan originally, and I moved here in 2001 with my wife to go to school at U of A. Mm. And I was lucky to get a job here at U of A. And my position is an extension specialist with Cooperative Extension. And my focus is in meteorology and climatology. Right off the bat, when I started in 2005, one of the projects I got pulled into was with some other agents was, we don't have enough rain gauge information out in the rural parts of the state. And I knew as a kind of a climate data geek, yeah, that that makes sense. And I was starting to stand something up and this was in early in 2005, started in January. And I met Gary real quickly and he had already started that project. And that was the beginning of Rain Log. I stumbled into it because Gary had already jumped up the idea.
2: Yeah, this is Gary. I also am from Michigan. And came here after after I finished grad school and law school and established a policy center. And back in Michigan, I was all involved with energy issues. But when I got to Arizona, there didn't seem to be much interest in energy issues, but there was an awful lot of interest in water issues. So I segued over into that. So about 20 years ago, I was part of an interdisciplinary group that was studying riparian issues in arid and semi-arid climates. And one of our research areas was the upper San Pedro River near the Mexican border. There were modelers, there were biologists, there were surface and groundwater hydrologists all involved, and they needed better data on the precipitation, particularly during the summer monsoon season. The local official gauges were okay for the seasonal storms that would come in the winter, but the monsoon rainfall is so sporadic, so intense and localized, that those gauges weren't of much value. They considered using radar, but it's mountains there. The radar has to be aimed fairly high. I could tell you how much rain was leaving the bottom of the thunderclouds, but that wasn't a very good indicator how much got to the ground. Out here, we have something called Virga. Where rain may completely evaporate before reaching the ground. So, I was asked to use my team to set up a website so they could get some volunteers to enter monthly rainfall totals from around the Sierra Vista area near the upper San Pedro. So, they were going to ask about a dozen people to have rain gauges with mineral oil in them so that when it rained, the rain would drop below the mineral oil, wouldn't evaporate, and they could then give monthly readings. But I quickly realized they were looking for weather nuts, not unlike you, Greg. And Uh those folks would jump at the opportunity to read that gauge every day and report it every day. So we decided to do that. And uh, to test it, I bought about a dozen inexpensive rain gauges and gave them to, to people that I was working with, asked them to put them in their backyards. And we tested it. And then we segued it over to Sierra Vista. But that test Made me realize that what we had set up was almost infinitely expandable. As long as you had Google Maps for where you lived and access, anybody could add a gauge of any type and join in. So we made some changes to it to make it more user friendly. We started advertising it. Some state and federal offices would use their end of the year unspent budget money to buy hundreds of rain gauges that we started distributing. Before we know it, we had big clusters. We had close to 500 rain loggers in the Tucson area, about 350 around Phoenix, and then other clusters started popping up, and that's how it got going. Sort of an accidental spinoff from a specific research need.
0: Nice. And you call them volunteers. I like to call them citizen scientists. And how many do
1: you have these days? I don't know. It's been a while since. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pay pretty closely uh, attention to the website. So we have tiers of observers. We have the real diehards and most of them are in Arizona because it started. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that will log in every morning, whether it rained or not, and put a zero in there. And we, we probably have a hundred or so. And then at the end of the month, we send out a newsletter and it reminds everybody to go back in and fill out all the zeros. Then we end up having several hundred observers on a monthly basis. But we've had several thousand registrations. Some people come and go and get excited about it in the middle of the monsoon, maybe submit five observations through the monsoon season, all the way to the other end of the extreme, which is those very dedicated observers who've literally been doing it every single day for 15 years. Wow. You're getting sporadic data then.
0: Yes. I've noticed in observing Rainlog. I started using it in 2014 when I discovered it. And I noticed that some of the measurements, cause we can see all of them. When you go to rainlog.org, you can see all the measurements. I noticed that some of them were way off, outliers. And how do you take that data and normalize it so that you can actually get data that you can use?
2: The biggest error is somebody's off by an order of magnitude. They got 0.04 inches, and they accidentally enter 0.4. So I I had a graduate student whose thesis focused on some of these issues, and we came up with an approach to, basically, you have to compare each reading with nearby readings to see if it makes sense or not, or if it's way out of line. The other issue we used to have is sometimes people would report one day off. So they'd either be an order of magnitude off or one day off. And there are ways to automatically flag those. And that's what we do, particularly depending on what the data is going to be used for, it's important to do that kind of screening. There's always this bigger issue of can you trust citizen scientists' data for research or for other serious applications? And one thing that we discovered with the work that the student did was, I I guess we've discovered two things. One is that official data may not be as rock solid as you would hope. Uh, (laughs) The other was an interesting phenomenon where I would check every month to see not only how many new rain loggers we have, but where were they? And I would hope they would be in the holes in the map, fill in the gaps. And often they would be the next door neighbor of a current rain logger or live across the street, which was frustrating, but then we came to realize if you have two citizen scientists who live within a block of each other, and if they report the same amount of rain, that's rock solid. That may be more reliable than an official gauge. So I got over my frustrations with that.
0: Nice. And you're collecting data primarily in Arizona, but anybody around the world can use this tool, right?
2: Yeah, we've got people scattered Literally around the world. one One of the one of the things we'd like to be able to add is a button that would convert everything from English to metric units. I think that would make people in other countries happier. But yeah, we've got them all over the place. Nice.
0: And so the trust we touched on the trustability of the data, and I would think that for the way outliers. So if you have, we get seven and a half inches of rain in Phoenix, if you got a gauge that says two tenths of an inch for the year at the end of the year or 27 inches, you just eliminate those?
1: Yeah, we don't actually, we don't eliminate anything from the database. And so the we've over time added some functionality to the website, including something called an application programming interface, which is, it's a geeky Thing for web developers to be able to talk directly to our database and pull it out. And as a researcher, I've been using that to actually use the rain log data for research purposes. So when we are able to pull all the data out, all of the potentially erroneous ones or not, and then we can use some screening algorithms to then refine the data set down to what we need. When we get really erroneous ones, sometimes Gary and I will get, we'll get emails from irritated rain loggers who say, you know what? My neighbor down the street, who I don't actually know is a rain logger, but they're way off. And so I will gently email folks and say, hey, I think this is wrong. You might want to go back and check your reading. And oftentimes that person will do that.
0: Nice. And what I'm assuming that you're primarily using the data in Arizona.
1: Highest density of observations is in Arizona. What I think is great about rain log is it's very open, right? It, anybody can register, anybody can put it in. There's the downside is that you can get some very erroneous kind of information, but we collect metadata to be mm-hmm. able to filter and track those kinds of things. But our highest density is in Arizona. And so we have very rich data in the urban areas. And so you can do really interesting things of going back through, especially as Gary was saying, the monsoon events with very intense convective rainfall. Looking at highly localized spatial patterns, which really gets me excited as a climatologist and a weather geek, is to go into corners of the metro areas and see where really heavy events have impacted the city that were missed by the official observing networks. So those volunteers Mm. capture these events that would have been basically gone. There wouldn't have been any record of them in any meaningful way if their data weren't going into the system. Got it. And what are you guys using this data for? Gary, do you want to Yeah. For a real
2: variety of purposes, I've been surprised a number of times when someone would call and want it for something we never thought of. There have been researchers who were using isotopic analysis to figure out where's the rain originating. You could take a rainfall sample and look at the amount of heavy hydrogen, heavy oxygen in the water molecules and say, this evaporated out of the Gulf of Mexico or the Gulf of California or, wow. or, or the Pacific. And they contact us and say, we we want rainwater samples from these specific areas. Would you please ask nearby rain loggers if they would pour the water out of their cages? The ones that don't have tippy bucket cages, would they collect that water for us and put it in vials? That's been used for a number of research purposes. It's also been used by some agencies. There was one agency that would have to run out to a super fun site when it was raining, and the nearest official gauge was sufficiently far away so that if it was the monsoon, they wouldn't really know. Do we really have to send somebody out there or not? But there was a rain logger, a couple of rain loggers within a short distance, and we set them up to, to be able to use them to verify it. The oddest thing I can recall is is an attorney calling. He was involved in some accident case, and the case hinged on how slippery an intersection was in the middle of the summer. And it hadn't rained at the airport that day, and he was desperate to prove that there was a rain-slicked intersection on the northwest side of town. And, um, wow. It's the rain log data to establish that.
0: Wow. It looks like we have some rainwater old versus new roofs. You want to touch on that?
1: Yeah, Gary, that was your
0: idea.
2: Yep. Yeah, there was a researcher who was looking at stormwater quality by neighborhood to see how did the age of the buildings and the age of the roads affect the amount of chemicals that was in the rain. And his theory was that the older roofs, the older buildings, the older pavements were shedding more chemicals than the newer ones. It turned out that was wrong. It was the opposite, which kind of makes sense. It's kind of like yeah. the fire smell. <laughs> it fades away. So uh, once again, there was some of the rain loggers were asked to gather samples for that study.
0: Oh, wow. And Mike, you had rain observation on a terrain derailment?
1: Oh, yes. Gary and I worked on a paper. We actually, once we got our database up and online and available through this API, this application programming interface, it allows us to really go dig into it. So I took it on to actually really dive into the database. We looked at Tucson in particular, deep into the 15 year record, and just started to see what we could see with these rain log observations. And I came across a really thought an interesting event where this was in 2018, summer 2018. The Northwest side of Tucson was getting just hammered with these repeat events. They'd come right off the Catalinas. These storms would be very isolated. They would track to the Southwest and they were hitting parts of Oro Valley, which is the Northwest side of Tucson repeatedly. In my house, it was not much going on. And the airport, which is South of all of this, really wasn't recording any activity. So it was interesting to see by the third day when this rain had really saturated the soil, it flooded very quickly with the third event And uh, there's a rail line that runs along I-10 there, flooded out the rail line. And it, this train derailed. And so it would hit the news. It was quite spectacular. There's floating UPS boxes everywhere. I'm sure your Amazon packages got lost at that point. But if you were to go back and look at this maybe 10 years from now, see this in the newspaper and just go back to the airport record, you wouldn't have had any idea what caused this event, but we had Mm -hmm. a handful of rain loggers who very diligently and very accurately showed that over this three day period there was over four and a half inches of rain. Wow. Um, which is a lot of rain for Tucson, even in that that short a stretch of time. Wow. And how can people get involved? It's very easy. Go to rainlog.org. There is a, a register button and it's very straightforward creating an account with your email address. We don't collect any other personal information. That's just for you to get into the site. And then you can create a gauge. You can actually create more than one gauge if you live in different locations and report oh. on them when you're there. So that was actually a nice feature that came online with our update to our site more recently is we have snowbirds who are maybe living one part of the country in one part of the year. And so they can maintain one account, multiple gauges, and just start logging when you're able to. Uh, we have another feature that's, this is a long-standing part of rain log that Gary pioneered, which was something called Rain Mapper, which is a service that even if you're not a rain logger, You can log in, put a pin on the map, and if other rain loggers report in a reporting area, it will email you to let you know that it rained and how much. So I think that's actually a very popular service for people who, especially for snowbirds who maybe leave Tucson, leave property here, they'll set up the rain mapper notification service for their neighbors then who are reporting still here. They'll get an email to know about a big event or lack of rain or those kinds of things.
2: We ask people to report the previous day's rainfall between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. And then at 10 a.m., emails go out to everybody who is who's on RainMapper, and the email they get has a link on it. And if you click on the link, you get your customized map centered on your home showing the nearby rain gauge totals. That was funded by the Bureau of Reclamation as a water conservation project to help gardeners know more about how much additional water do I have to apply to my landscape or to my garden. Someone in, particularly during the monsoon, you may go off to work back at the end of the day, maybe the street's slightly damp, but you have no idea how much it rained at your house and, or overnight. And so that was to make gardeners better aware of what nature was providing. So maybe they could use a little less of the potable water. Water.
1: And why should somebody get involved? I'll just pitch that it's fun. <laughs> I think that you shouldn't do it if you're not a weather nerd. I think it's self-filtering. I, I think that what I think is most interesting about rain log is that we framed it as though citizen scientists contribute data and then it's used by researchers. That's great and fine. But I really think that it's mostly people do it because I love to see their infor- information on a map. Mm-hmm. They use the site more than anyone else. So they're using it to see what's going on in their neighborhood, in their city. They're then encouraging others to do it. There's often the gloating that goes on during the monsoon <laughs> about getting more rain. And then there's commiseration when it's not raining anywhere. You know that everybody's suffering by looking on the map. Yeah, We added something to
2: the maps, actually a couple of things. If you're looking at a map and you see those rain gauge totals, you can click your cursor on one of those gauge readings And up pops a graph showing individual rainfall events and cumulative rainfall for the year to date. If you click on that graph, you can then choose any year historically, and you'll get a bigger, nicer graph showing the individual rainfall and beneath it is a table showing the actual rainfall amounts for the entire year. So often when. People need data for a particular place, for a particular year, we could just tell them, just go click on the closest rain gauge and, and you'll have it right there. Nice.
0: What's your biggest, for both of you, and we'll start with Mike, what's your biggest aha or biggest happy, biggest yes out of doing this project?
1: Once we were able to start playing with the data. That's when I got really excited. When I ran the first query of the database and got a million records back, wow! that, that was my like, oh, this is a real thing. Because it's yeah. one thing to page through maps and you can't really see all the data. But as a data guy, when I was actually able to query that database and get back all this information as being a weather nerd and a data geek, I was really excited. And I continue to be excited to be able to go in there and pull and see what we got. I
0: check it often. In fact, I go back to my, my old neighborhood map. Unfortunately, the people that bought the house aren't doing it any longer, but I look in my neighborhood. So that's exciting for me, Gary.
2: I think the biggest excitement was we got a little publicity after we had set it up. And so I would monitor how many new folks did we get last month? And like, oh boy, we got 30 more. Oh boy, we got another 50. And then suddenly it's, oh my God, we just got 200 more. Nice. I suddenly realized. And nobody was dropping off, but people who had started were for the most part continuing. So that's when I realized this is going to work. We've got something that people are interested enough to go look at it. They're interested enough to register, and they're doing it. Yeah, that was my big thrill.
0: Nice. Thank you both for doing it. Like I said, I jumped in two thousand and fourteen when I found out about it. and i'm I didn't realize that I needed to go in and put the zeros in every day. But if there's water in the rain gauge, it goes in.
1: It's great. We appreciate you contributing. It's fun for, hopefully it's fun for you and it's definitely fun for everyone else. And the data are really useful.
0: What is the point of putting in zeros every day, Mike?
1: It's a complete record. I'm actually doing a research project right now where I'm trying to look at spatial pattern, using the rain log data, spatial patterns of precipitation. So it's really useful to know if somebody didn't see rain when somebody did see rain uh-huh. so making that distinction it's in sampling it's having both the yes and the no to be able to make that dis- distinguish between an event Got it. we have
2: so many residents that are not here all year and a lot also would take off for a week or two or a month in, during the monsoon and if you look at that and there's nothing there and you don't know, does that mean it did not rain there or they were in Asheville? How do yep. we know that's, right. that's the value?
0: Got it. All right. Note taken. Thank you very much. That is rainlog.org. I want everybody that's listening to go get a an inexpensive. My rain gauge is, I think, it was $6. Get it in your yard, start an account, and track your rain wherever you are in the world. We're all shaking our heads. Yes. Yeah, we are.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm raising my fist as yes. Mm -hmm. So
0: I'm going to shift on you. And I'd like for you to both talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it.
1: I can jump in real quick too. I'm going to make this a rain log one. So we had our rain log system fail. It was slow and then fast. And it was pretty catastrophic towards the end. What I learned was how passionate rain log observers were and how distraught they were that the system wasn't functioning. And so I think we all learned, okay, we've got to figure out a way to make this sustainable and carry it forward. And we worked so hard to get the system set back up and did so, I think, fairly quickly and learned that we need to pay attention to that. We don't have real stable funding. We strive to try to get donations from corporate sponsors and agencies and those kinds of things. And that has helped over time create the sustainability that we've needed in Rainlow. Cool. Gary? Early on, we
2: were just developing something for a small set of volunteers that were going to be directly helping a research project. So there were some details that we didn't worry about when you've got hundreds of volunteers. I remember that one summer, this, I think it was early summer, and then it crept into July. Normally, the monsoon starts, on average, it starts around the 4th of July weekend. Yep. It was late that year. And our database crashed, I think, three times. We didn't know why. We were getting concerned about it crashing. And we finally discovered that we have a comment feature. So if you have an unusual event and you want to type in a comment it snowed in tucson when (laughs) and so I, i had to wait the next morning till it had all melted to record the amount but then i typed in it fell as heavy snow some people were so frustrated it had been so long since it had rained they would type in you know it's 87 and then blankety blank days and counting and instead of putting in a swear word they were hitting random characters and there was a two character combination that was a special database code that would it crash the database. Oh my gosh. Who would have imagined people would be swearing in the comment section in a way that would cause the database to crash. And so that caused us by surprise. I also got an email from a guy in Florida who said, I can't enter my rainfall until your system's broken. And it's, no, it's working fine, what's the deal? He was trying to enter an 11 inch rainfall event And when I heard that, I thought he's nuts. But then I did a little research and I found out there was like a dying hurricane that had blundered onto Boca Raton. He lived a few miles from Boca Raton and the official gauge was 10 and a quarter inches. So I thought, oh my God, he really did get 11. (laughs) And our database wasn't set up to handle a daily amount that was double digits like that. Because it was anticipated to be used by a small number of people for just a few years for a specific research project. Over time, we had to make a number of changes to make it more user-friendly.
0: And your biggest success for the project?
2: I think the it's was- almost 20 years old. And
0: Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say,
2: too. Nice.
0: And what drives you guys? Like, why?
2: We're both weather geeks and data nuts. I may be a bit more of the data nut, and Mike's definitely more of the weather geek, but thanks a lot. (laughs) We we think of this as fun, and there's enough other people out there who think participating is fun. Yeah,
1: just getting yeah, that's right. Getting your hands on some data, collecting your own data, I think is really exciting and sharing that data. Yeah, cool. And one book for our listeners. I've got one that I'm reading. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I'll just say that um, I'm not done with it, but I'm reading Science Be Damned, How Ignoring Inconvenient Science Drain the Colorado River. This is by Eric Kuhn and John Fleck, some water experts. Very interesting read just to trace the history of the Colorado River and put a little context in the current situation. So recommend it. cool.
2: That's, I was going to recommend anything written by John Fleck.
1: There you go, right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I also, I was just moving stuff around my den the other day and found a book. It, I don't even know if it's in print. I don't even know if you can get it. But It's called West with a Knight. And it's the biography of, of a British woman who grew up as a child in colonial Africa. And her life story from hunting with spears with the native kids to getting into racehorse breeding, to being one of the very first pioneers in aviation, one of the very few aviators in Africa at that time. Just brilliantly written, fascinating book, if you can find it. What's the name of it? West with the Night. West
0: with the Night, very good. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? And I'd like to hear from both of you. Let's start with Mike.
1: I'd say don't be shy about these citizen science projects. Don't worry if you can't do it perfectly. Just try and get out there. And I think rain log is a really good entry point. If you get one observation in this summer, consider that a win. Cool. Yeah,
2: I would say based on what we see with rain log and based on everything I see in working for cities and trying to figure out water demand is you're an avid gardener. And you've been taught, plant these things on Memorial weekend or do this on that, forget it. Between the urban heat island effects and the climate change, you got to rethink every date for all yeah. annual events.
0: Yeah, a few years ago, I had a planting calendar for the Desert Southwest that I created in, with a friend of mine in 1999. And we give it away free online. And about four or five years ago, we looked at it and it's, this ain't right anymore. Yeah. But it, do something about that. So I hear you on that. Mm-hmm. Gary and Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm very excited to have chatted with you. How can our listeners find you?
1: Rainlog.org is rainlog.org. And it you can find me my email is crimins C R I M M I N S at Arizona, all spelled out.edu. Cool
2: emails, probably the best way to contact me as well. There, there's a, a help contact button on rain log and, and so those emails go to both of us my email is my name gary.c.woodard w-o-o-d-a-r-d at gmail.com
0: perfect thank you both very much and you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash rain log we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the urban farm podcast